welcome aboard the battleship Pote- Ugh. I almost said Potemkin. That's weird. That's the first time that's ever happened. Wow. In nine years. Yeah. That's weird. It usually goes the other way that if I'm referencing. Yeah. Eight and a half years. Yeah. Eight and a half years. No, it's we're hang on. Yeah. No, no. Nine and a half half years. years. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. we're, We're clearly not prepared for this. I guess not. Okay. It's weird that we're leaving this in. Welcome aboard the battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax, I'm and, pretty sure. And thank you for listening, David. Yes. Boy, oh boy. What is wrong with me? You know what? You know what we're doing here? The problem is we are we're looking ahead to episode five hundred. Yeah, that's true. This is uh uh this is like uh in, in, in football terms, this episode's like a trap game. That's oh what it wow. Is. I've never heard that term before. It's Basically, you overlook a team because mm-hmm. you're thinking about the, the a team that's not supposed to be very good yeah. because you're looking two weeks down the line at the, at the big it. team Got and uh, you end up screwing yourself over getting beat by the, by the lesser team. Yeah. So this is a trap episode. I could see that. Here's a, it's going to be a good one, though. This is a topic I've wanted to do for a while. Yeah, I'm actually quite excited for it. But actually, first, I want to mention this. This has nothing to do with anything except a sports term. There was a car commercial that was playing for a little while, about a year ago, maybe even longer. Uh, it was, a, and I don't remember what the car was or anything like that. But uh, it starts with there was a longer version and a shorter version, and the shorter version had a narrator saying, "We've been thinking uh, a pitcher who can paint the corners is is known as a Rembrandt." And then it moves on, and then it talks about like you know the precision of the <laughs> car or whatever horseshit. And I remember thinking, like, you know, I don't know sports terms, but I did grow up in a baseball family. I have never heard the term Rembrandt. <laughs> I'm going to call bullshit on this, and yeah. I'm looking it up. Uh-huh. Sure enough. Uh, you found a whole community of people pissed off about this commercial? I did. <laughs> uh, they all chose to comment on the YouTube video for this commercial. Uh, and what... and. But I also looked up elsewhere, like, okay, Rembrandt, pitcher, paint corners, whatever. Here's what happened. One writer made reference to one specific pitcher Uh who could paint the corners and and said, he's like like Rembrandt. You know, it's just the kind of the sports commentary kind of hyperbolic and stuff. In one article... (laughs) So clearly, the a guy working for this ad company read that article and yeah. said, "Hmm, I can use that." And they then decided he did. to try and make fetch happen. Is what they exactly. Did. He yeah. tried to make Rembrandt happen. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, and so I in the in in the YouTube comments, you had people furious, just <laughs> furious. And then I said, I said, well, as far as I can tell, here's the article that it came from, but it went nowhere else beyond that. And uh, so yeah. Because that's the thing. I don't care about sports that much. Yeah. But these people were furious. I love it. And I think it came from a place of, in the same way that if someone used a t- like a, a movie term and said it like it's the most common thing in the world, yeah. and neither of us had ever heard of it, it's like, okay, hang on, asshole. Because <laughs> now you're making me feel bad uh, that I don't know something. But uh, so that was a little uh, adventure I had online a f- uh, like a year ago. Uh, so, okay, sorry. It. All right. Um, Speaking of adventures, I guess, you should uh, venture up to North Hollywood sure. on the evening of October 7th. Um, Which is only a few days away is when this goes up. Yes, less than a week away uh, when you're here. It's, it's this Friday. Um, 
come to the Tonga hut on Friday. Uh, it's the, uh, I looked it up. I said this last week. I looked it up to confirm. It is the oldest Tiki bar in Los Angeles that nice. is still operating. Oh boy. It's, it's not the oldest one ever, but it's right. the oldest one that is still, uh, in existence, uh, in Los Angeles. Um, so come have some Tiki drinks. Um, not on us. You have to pay for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you get to hang out with us. Which sure. Is a treat. And we'll be there around, uh, eight, eight 30, I guess. Yeah. I'll try to be there. Well, hang on now. <laughs> I'll try to be there at eight, but I know me. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Um, but if it was one thing we learned from our Comic-Con meetups is that when we say eight, no one shows up till nine anyway. Yeah. We always spend the first hour going, what happened to us? Like, how come no one wants to come to our meetup? And then we end up having a great time because everyone shows up at nine. Um, anyway, so yeah, come to the, come to the Tonga hut. Yeah. It'll, it'll be a lot of fun. I enjoy meeting. uh, And then a number of, uh, number of podcast guests will be there so you don't have to just put up with me and david you can talk to you know some of your favorite guests that are there so yeah of the yeah of the people that show up yeah um what else can people do to help us commemorate our 500 500th episode oh right yes so uh so last week we mentioned um this thing that we're we're gonna try and do uh we'll see if it works out just depending on how many people uh submit something so you can either email me tyler at battleship pretension.com uh well you're going to email me one way or another but you can either just put something in text or my preference record yourself talking about your favorite battleship pretension moments uh just recorded a, a little mp3 send it to me tyler battleship pretension.com uh feel free to be as specific as possible in fact i would really appreciate that yeah um episode and maybe even uh, right around uh, how many minutes in that uh, somebody did that yeah and that's really helpful get that time um, so i'd say uh sometime in the next let's say two weeks if you could do that that would be great i would appreciate it so all right tyler battleship pretension.com all right we have one more thing we okay. got something in the mail all right from uh, from peter Okay. Uh, I'm not going to go with the whole name and address. Sure. Um, well, it's a P.O. box. You can just type, write, you can say that. That's fine. Uh, I'll say that it's a P.O. box. Okay. okay. Um, now, for all I know, this is not something that is intended for us to be opening air. For all I know, this is like uh, f- filled with hate. Or um, like anthrax, you mean? It could be. Sure. Yeah, filled with anthrax, um, the thinking man's hate. Um, <laughs> so let's see what we got here. Okay. From Peter. All right. He said that uh, he's got some uh, cinema-related newspaper articles that he's clipped out. Um, oh, God, I actually want to read this whole thing. So okay. gen- he says, gentlemen, about a year ago, I sent you guys some cinema-related newspaper articles that I clipped out, which which I thought you might like. Um, there's a word missing there, but I filled it in for you. Okay. Uh, that package was opened on air and met with what sounded like a cautious yet thankful curiosity on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> wow, deja vu. Yeah. Uh, understandable in hindsight to receive random newspaper pieces in the mail. At the risk of having this package open during recording and making you <laughs> leery again, I found a recent section of the New York Times. I subscribed to the Sunday, Sunday edition mm-hmm. uh, that has two articles that I thought each of you would find particularly interesting. The one about faith represented in television is for Tyler, if you can imagine. Okay. Uh, the one about film preservation and restora- restoration is for David, right up your respective alleys. That's um, true. Yeah. In the same edition, no less. Uh, it must be, because I um, only see the faith one here. I'm sure the other one's in here somewhere. Sure, absolutely. Uh, you both have shared so much great insight. And appreci- oh, this is some uh, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, is it nice things, David? It's nice things. I don't, okay. I, I'm too embarrassed to read it. Um, and he says nice things about Stephen Tobolowsky as well. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, Peter. Yeah, that's uh, great. And uh, Peter, uh, look, uh, if you send us something, we're opening it on the air. So just uh, be ready for that. And I do like that we, uh, this is a self-fulfilling prophecy, David. For, <laughs> yeah, for exactly. So, yeah, here's the, not only are they both in the same issue of the Arts and Leisure section of um, Sunday, August 28th, 2016 at uh, New York Times, they're both front page stories. Oh, wow. Okay. OTV of Little Faith at the top and The Race to Save the Films We Love on the bottom. Uh, thanks, Peter. Yes, thank you so if, much. If you at home want to send us something that we can <laughs> awkwardly um, discuss on the air, yeah. you can find our P.O. box on the website. Uh, under Is under About Us? Yes. About Us. One of the yeah, one of the things people usually want to know about us when they meet us is what is your PO box? Yeah, that's because people they again we're back to that anthrax thing. Like when they talk to us for any length of time, they're like, I know what these guys need. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah, you had something you wanted to. This wasn't the only bullshit for the top of the show. You had right. some some bullshit of your own for the top of the show. Yes, I have actually uh, quite a bit, uh, and I was I was debating which one to go with. Do I either? talk about uh uh starting school and uh the emotions that uh, have come as a result okay. and my uh my feeling that i am an absolute fraud uh and that uh, when i get into a world of master's level academia i feel like an absolute moron uh do i talk about that or do i go a little bit more positive i chose positive oh okay good so oh thank god david i know all last year you were thinking Tyler, you make a new top hundred every two years. In twenty fifteen, you're due, and you so all year long, like before we start recording and after we are finished recording every week, you were saying, "What's up with this top hundred? I'm Mm -hmm. waiting. I'm waiting." Well, David, recently. For, and I probably shouldn't have because I've got school and I should have been doing a lot of reading, but I chose not to because this is what I do with my life. I get it. I chose to make my new top hundred for 2016. I'll make another one in 2018. And so I'll be back on track, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, so uh, you can find my uh, listeners. You can find my full top hundred uh, on Letterboxd. This is a more... I won't say mainstream, but this is definitely a more accessible list than I've had in the past. Hmm. Um, and I went through, I, I wasn't going out of my way to include something or not include something. I just kind of went through the larger list, which came to about 270 movies. Uh, and then whichever one just kind of, I found myself having like an emotional reaction to, um, I put on. So a lot of things fell off, not because I don't like them. In fact, I still very much love them, but they, for whatever reason right now, they didn't cause like that stirring in, uh, in the heart. Uh, so I wanted to, I'm not going to read all of them to you, obviously, but I will, yeah. t- I will read my top 10. Oh, okay. So now you didn't want to, uh, you weren't inspired by, uh, Edgar Wright this summer to make a full 1000. No, oh, good God, thousand. no, no. Right. I'd, I could do a top 273, I think. Okay. Uh, but I think that's about it. I think... You could do I a mean, top 250 to challenge IMDb. Sure. The, the real top 250. Right, exactly. Uh, well, and that's the thing is, I recognize that I, f- I feel like anything, even in a, even a top 100, is pretty arbitrary. Mm. If I get into the top 2000, I was like, uh, 
934 or 935. <laughs> I don't know. A thousand clowns is pretty good. Uh, do I like it more or less than witness for the prosecution? Who's to say, but, um, so here's my top 10. There are three new additions, David, to my top 10. Okay. Number 10 for the first appearing for the first time on the list. David leans Lawrence of Arabia. Okay. Uh, it is, uh, I'm surprised it has not been on here yeah, before, but I'm surprised uh, as well. I think, uh, over Christmas I saw it, uh, at the Egyptian and I'd seen it on the big screen before, but, uh, I don't know. It's just been a movie that's been on my mind. Uh, and so it comes in at number 10, number nine, you might find this interesting, David. I don't know. Number nine, Werkmeister harmonies. I'm, I'm not surprised. A movie that I hated, but I didn't blame the movie. I blamed the experience uh, when I first saw it because I was very tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a movie to watch when you're tired. And also, as much as I, as dear to my heart as the uh, Facets Cinematheque was, it's not the most comfortable place to spend <laughs> two isn't. and a half hours. It isn't. But maybe if it were more comfortable, I would have fallen asleep and yeah. I wouldn't have actually seen the movie, much less rewatched it. And it's just a film that just haunts me. It's a, it's a, it's not going anywhere. And like my favorite movie of all time, Nashville, that has not changed. Um, Vergmeister Harmonies is a movie that when it showed up on my list a few years ago, it steadily has gone up and up and up. And now here it is coming in at number nine, number eight, David, a movie that it is. This is also, uh, it's first time on the top 10 and maybe it is on here because we've been talking so much about it lately. Alien. Okay. Uh, and I, I can't imagine it falling off anytime soon. I just love this movie so much. I've yeah. watched it many times and i love it more every time and we talked last week about us being on the alien minute podcast yeah. those episodes are still up go yeah. go check that out and that was a lot of fun and then we would when we did our alien commentaries and just yeah maybe honest, honestly maybe when i saw it on blu-ray uh for the first time and just saw like i feel like that is the best possible way to watch it now including on the big screen <laughs> you know and just those blu-rays are gorgeous uh now so the next several movies have been on my top 10 before, but there's some slight rearranging. Number seven is network, which has been in my top 10 ever since I started making a top 10. Okay. And it's always seven or eight. Uh, so network doing fine. Number six, 12 angry men, which is, uh, which dropped down one. Oh, and, uh, number five, it switched places basically with number five bicycle thieves, which has slowly, but surely made its way up the list. Number four, night of the hunter, Number three, Jaws. Number two, Citizen Kane. And number one remains Robert Altman's Nashville. So That was exciting. Do you find movies creeping up your list even though you haven't seen them in a long time? Yeah, Verkmeister Harmonies. Okay. I've seen it yeah. twice. Um, yeah, we were talking about um, on, the, on the movie journal, um, the movie Dog Day Afternoon came mm-hmm. up, which I haven't seen in 10 years yeah. uh, or so. But I feel like every time I think about Dog Day Afternoon, I'm like, I, I like it more. <laughs> Uh, it, it might be close to, I don't know if it's a top 10 all time for me. It might be a top 15, top 20 all time for me. Well, when you just come, when you come to realize that, wow, this movie is remarkably iconic and, and iconic in the literal sense of the word, there are scenes, there are moments, there are specific lines, there are musical cues, which we'll get to later, um, that are mm-hmm. in my head always. And there is so much of that in a movie like Verkmeister Harmonies and in a movie like Dog Day Afternoon. Like, right. It's not merely that the movie on a cultural level is iconic. It's that when you watch it, it's not a film that's going to just fall out of your brain. It's going to stay with you for as long as you're alive. Uh, you, and 
you know, if it's 20 years since you've seen it, yeah, it might not be in there as, as firmly as it could be. But, you know, I remember Verkmeister harmonies more now having seen it probably three or four years ago. It was the most recent time. I remember it better than movies I saw three weeks ago. You know what I mean? Just because it's that type of movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, and then there's, as tends to happen with my top hundred, there are a number of movies that I've seen, uh, in the last year or two that, uh, that are on the list for the first time, like, uh, Howard Hawks, red river, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, I have finally at long last put topsy turvy on my top hundred because that's a movie everybody should watch over and over again. You like that one, right? I do. It's been a while. Yeah. And uh, Zodiac made its way into the top 100 for the first time. I'm surprised that's the first time. I know. I am, too. Something is very wrong with me. And then uh, uh, this kind of surprises me a little bit. Uh, It's weird because I made this list, so I shouldn't be surprised, but it's just, you know, I kind of go bit by bit, and I kind of go in chunks of 12, uh, seeing just what jumps out at me. And then I look at the, I survey the list when it's all over, and I think, huh, interesting uh-huh. and uh at number 85 is master and commander the far side of the world man i love that movie it's a great movie that's a movie that stays with me yeah um and that's one that actually is is very iconic in a lot of ways but anyway so we've got things to get to but i just thought listeners might be interested in that and you can go you follow can me on, on letterbox yeah you go follow me on letterbox i have a lot of lists on there awesome all right let's pay some bills all right Listeners, this episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Currently showing on Mubi is a film that I actually recently rewatched. It is Sean Penn's The Crossing Guard, starring Jack Nicholson, Angelica Houston, and David Morris, a a favorite of Battleship Pretension. Mm -hmm. Uh, Have you seen The Crossing Guard? I I never have, no. It is, you know, Sean Penn as a director is unsurprisingly a bit heavy-handed at times, uh, but he does know how to get very specific types of performances from his actors. Uh, Very in-the-moment performances, and ones that... uh, in which the characters are saying a lot, even when saying very little. And there are several scenes specifically between uh, Nicholson and Angelica Houston that are really powerful. And just just these two characters and these two actors are just very much at ease with each other. They're, they play a divorced couple who's, who uh, lost a child many years ago. And you just see the way their lives have gone uh, since then. And it's... Uh, it, just the way they relate to each other, you just get this real sense of history. And I know, I know, I know that, uh, I believe in real life, I think Jack Nicholson and Angelica Houston were romantically involved for a while in the eighties. So they do have an actual history hmm. and they're both in the movie Pritzi's honor. And, uh, Nicholson has just a, a history with, uh, John Houston as well. And so, uh, so scenes like that are, are really great. And then David Morris turns in a really wonderful performance as the guy who, as a, when he was drunk as a, he was driving and he killed, uh, their daughter. And so, uh, so we see, you know, the father of, of the, of the, the dead girl and then the man that 
that uh, killed her, and we have these parallel stories that are slowly but surely going to converge. And yeah, at times it's a little bit overwritten, and sometimes it's a little bit overdirected, as one would expect from somebody like Sean Penn <laughs> as a director. But it's still a very interesting movie with some really great performances. Um, so that and 29 movies are available in movie right now. And there is also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try movie free for one month. Just go to movie.com. That's M-U-B-I.com slash Battleship to redeem now. Or uh, you can click on the ad at BattleshipPretension.com. I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com, which is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors, and they look great. They sound great. We love them. We use them all the time. Um, and they're available at a low, low price over there at tweakedaudio.com. But if you uh, use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So go to, sorry, go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. This, this is, is your topic, Dave. Yes, this is something I wanted to, because I, I have this conversation with uh, my wife often. Because my wife, like much like me, uh, has good taste. Um, but... Whereas, Except in men, right? Yeah. <laughs> Good one. High um, five. Uh, yeah, that was us high fiving. Um, but here's here's the difference. I'm a movie person first. And I think my wife is a music person first. So sometimes we'll hear a song, a great song, a great classic song, right? Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, this reminds me of the time that's in this movie. And she's, her reaction is like, but you know, this is a great song like regardless of like yeah. <laughs> even removed from that movie, this is a, just a great song on, on its own. Like as if I'm maybe like tarnishing the song by reducing it to being uh, a part of this, this movie. Um, but I can't help but do it. I, it's not, yeah. I don't think it makes me appreciate the song any, any less, but um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, good country music. N- not a lot of, current mainstream country music um or even mainstream country music from the last 30 years really um uh and one of my all-time favorites when she was one of my dad's all-time all-time favorites is um patsy klein Mm -hmm. but i'll never hear back in baby's arms without thinking of steve martin and john candy waking up next to each other on the bed in planes trains and automobiles and it's just because i'm a movie guy and so i wanted to talk about those those songs um songs that we will forever associate with movies. I mean, I think there are some, um, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, okay. So I was, I, w- I wasn't sure when you first told me I had an idea of what you meant. Um, but I, I emailed you for elaboration because I wasn't sure if it was 
songs that we were aware of before we saw them used in a movie. And from that point forward, they were used so well that we will forever associate them with that movie or songs that we first became aware of through their use in a movie. And since then we've gone on to enjoy the songs or that artist, uh, but they're always going to be associated with that thing. And you said, said uh, you said both. Cause I, and I'll give you right off the bat. I'll give you an, an example of each. Okay. Um, from the same time period in my life, the movies are about 10 years apart in release, but I saw them around the same time. Um, uh, I mentioned, I like country music a lot, but, um, I also, if I were, if you were to ask me top five, um, musical artists slash groups of all time, mm-hmm. um, a, a, a sure constant guaranteed entry on that top five list is going to be talking heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking heads are one of the greatest bands of all time. Um, and I, uh, have loved them, um, since probably 10th grade is probably when I started to get into them. Uh, and so I'd been listening to a lot of talking heads when I happened to rent Oliver Stone's wall street. Yeah. And the montage sequence of Daryl Hannah, um, decorating Charlie Sheen's new, yeah. uh, fancy rich guy apartment yeah. is set to the song. This must be the place by yeah. talking heads, which is a great song. I don't know if you, if you know it. Um, uh, but it's a fantastic song on its own. If but, I know about it, it's because of that sequence. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Um, but, uh, because of that, I, um, uh, I will always think of it, but that was a song that I knew beforehand because I was mm-hmm. getting, I was really getting to the talking heads at that time. Um, and so I knew this song. I know this song that I probably, uh, a movie I saw probably on the same time. And this was a, a newish movie at the time. Uh, and is one of my, is one of my favorite and uh, also a top five in terms of movies I've seen the most times uh, is Train Spotting, and I didn't at the time that I saw the movie know um, much about Lou Reed, and mm-hmm. I certainly didn't know the song Perfect Day, right? Um, which is the I don't know if you remember in Train Spotting, it's his when he overdoses. It's um, Perfect Day is the sound of soundtracks him overdosing and um, Peter Mullen's character getting him uh, into the taxi and sending right. him to the um, to, to the, to the ambulance. Uh, and I've since gone on to become a Lou Reed fan and to know that song in the context of the other Lou Reed songs and stuff. But, um, I discovered perfect day, uh, through train spotting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so those are the two examples that I'm talking about. It could be either way. Right. Um, I also wanted to, I wanted to throw out a few right off the bat that I feel like I put on the list only because uh, only to toss them off at the beginning because I, f- I feel like these are kind of obvious ones. Yeah. Like, um, obviously Bohemian Rhapsody and Wayne's world. Um, hmm. didn't, that, didn't okay. even make my list. I didn't even think about it, but um, of course you're right. Yeah. Fight the power and do the right thing. That seems kind of obvious. Cause that mm-hmm. was like essentially written for the movie. Um, yeah. and the movie essentially has a music video for the song in it. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I think one, uh, that probably leaves to a lot of people's minds is the song in your eyes by Peter Gabriel being used in say anything when he holds the boom box up. Um, I'm and, missing some obvious ones here, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's fun. Uh, and then another one that seemed obvious to me, this one might not be as obvious to you cause I'm not sure where you stand on this movie. Um, but this is also the movie that popularized the song, but don't you forget about me by simple minds, uh, oh, sure. from the breakfast club. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, so these were some obvious ones that I think were worth mentioning cause I didn't want to get the emails of how did you not mention that? But yeah. it's also, they seemed a little obvious, especially in terms of Wayne's world as great as Bohemian Rhapsody is. I think, my favorite use of a song in Wayne's world is Jimi Hendrix's Foxy lady. Um, okay. Which is, um, Garth's, uh, 
sort of fantasy sequence about approaching the woman at the donut shop. Yes, that's right. Where he puts Boxy Lady on and then like mouths the words as he like <laughs> saunters across the room up to up to talk to and it's a great little fantasy sequence and super weird. <laughs> like, I need to rewatch Wayne's World because so I, I don't think when I was younger, I don't think I got what Wayne's World was. Like I don't think I understood like, okay, so who are these characters? I don't think I understand the, and it's just they're just weirdos. That's it. They're just <laughs> odd guys. Yeah, but there are some things that are so specific about them in terms of being like um, what I've since learned Southern Californians would refer to as Heshers. Hmm. Uh, okay. Do you know that yeah. term? I know it because of the movie Hesher. Okay. Yeah. Um, I knew it. Yeah, I guess when the movie Hesher came out, um, my wife who grew up in Southern California was like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a common term for you know, burnout metalhead types. Yeah. Uh, and I, so I, that's not what we would have called them in the middle Midwest. I guess we would have called them burnout metalhead types. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, there are some very specific things. They're not just like weird guys. Like there yeah. are some specific, there's a specific cult, subculture they're talking about. Yeah. Um, but then it also turns that on their head because Wayne and Garth are also like weirdly like sensitive. Sweet? Yeah. Sweet yeah. and sensitive yeah. buds. <laughs> <laughs> so, Okay. Now, when you told me this, when you said both, that helped me, that really opened this up for me, which is great because I'm a movie guy way before I'm a music guy. Uh-huh. Um, most musicians that I find out about, I probably know that I probably heard them first used in a movie. Uh, not necessarily, but, but often that's the case. So, um, so that freed me up to think of like, okay, well, what are the song? you know, which ones jump to mind first? And the two that, f- that jumped out immediately, I cannot hear in the Hall of the Mountain King by Edward Grieg without thinking of M oh, and oh, Peter right. Laurie yeah. whistling it. Now That's, it is. See, I didn't social know. Ga- I, I, I wasn't even sure what that what oh, yeah. music was by, by its name. But once yeah. you say M, I'm like, oh right, that it's from the pier, from it's from the Pier Gint Suite, which is actually just in general one of my maybe my favorite classical uh, piece uh, of all time. It's it's wonderful, all of it. Uh, and then it was used. It was also used quite well in the Social Network. But to me, uh, the it being the thing that like drives Peter Lorre uh, in M is is uh, iconic to me. Um, and then the other, so that's the first one. And then a uh, close second is We'll Meet Again from uh, Dr. Strangelove. That was that one is, that definitely came to mind yeah. for me. Yeah. It's, um, it's not a, it's not a song I hear very often though. Johnny Cash actually covered it later in, uh, I think in, on his very last album, um, which seems appropriate because that's an album very much about death and mm-hmm. saying goodbye and that yeah, sort of thing. That's right, he did. But, uh, but that's the thing is when I heard it, I'm like, Hey, that's that song from Dr. Strangelove, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, uh, but to go back to your, um, the the one from M. I didn't uh, I didn't think of much classical music, and now I'm already thinking of. I have a surprising of, amount of classical on here. Of a few, um, there's um, well, this one's been used in a million things. The O Fortuna, um, yeah. But uh, what what movie? It's been used in so many things. What do you think of it as? Because mine is not even a movie I like. General's daughter. The general's daughter is yeah. the one that leaves to mind for me. Yeah, me too. But it's been used. Yeah. Uh, James Wood's suicide. I think. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, and then also, of course, there's um, Ride of the Valkyries from Apocalypse Now. Yeah. And then there's the one, um, and I'm, f- uh, and now I can't remember the name of the song, but it's in the prison riot in Natural Born Killers. Oh. Uh, yeah, I can't place it either. It's like dun 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 dun. <laughs> it's a really great song. Um, I've said it a million times, 
no, you I singing I something I'm, is never going to help me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I have, um, I got to find the name of this fucking thing. Uh, string quintet in C major by Luigi, uh, Baccarini, Baccarini, I don't know how you say it, from Master and Commander. It's the last, uh, when okay. Paul Bettany and Russell Crowe are playing a song at the very end on a violin and a cello. Um, that is the song they're playing. Uh, let's see. There's uh, Adagio for Strings by Samuel Barber and Platoon, um, which is, you know, it is that big piece of music from Platoon that you think of just where it's, you know, it's obviously a lot of strings cause it's for strings. Um, as, uh, as, uh, Willem Dafoe's character is dying. Um, and then, uh, let's see, I guess there's not that. Oh, and then yeah, right of Val- right of the Valkyries. Um, but I actually have a, a lot of just music that has been around for a long time. It's not necessarily classical, but it's also, it's not like a song you'll throw on and listen to. For example, you know, when Johnny comes marching home also from Dr. Strange love, but then also, um, the Colonel bogey March from bridge on the river Kwai. Oh yeah. You know, I, if somebody whistles a song, apparently I'm going to remember it. Um, and so like, you know, those are, both of those are, uh, I mean, I had to look up and see that that song is when Johnny comes marching home. Cause I think of it as when the ants go, you know, the ants go marching two by two or <laughs> whatever. Um, but it's to the point now that having seen those movies, if I hear those, you know, in on a TV show or anything like that, I'm going to immediately just go back to those movies, even though, you know, you grow, you grow up hearing some iteration of those. Uh, and then you come to realize that certainly in the case of the Colonel bogey's March, it was probably made iconic by bridge on the river Kwai, uh, culturally. Hmm, yeah. Um, I don't know just, uh, but I'm not, I can't guarantee that, but that's, uh, my first thought. Um, this, I like that we're starting with, um, a lot of older music, some of it mm-hmm. classical, like, oh, and that, it's, um, night on bear mountain by Musorgsky is what oh, I'm okay. um, thinking of from natural born killers. Anyway. Um, Cause I do, I, I, but anyway, I do have a few, um, of older, like standards, not necessarily classical, like standards. Um, you're going to know when I say the song, what movie I'm talking about when I say Danny boy, uh, Miller's crossing. Yep. Yeah. No uh, question. That's and, on mine. Yeah. Then that song's been, you hear that song everywhere, yeah. but I will never not think of, of, uh, one of the best sequences the Coen brothers have ever put together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then, uh, another old, uh, not as old, but a, a song that's well before my time and is a corny song that I wouldn't really like on my own. But um, K Sarah Sarah has been used in a lot of things, but mm-hmm. most notably to me and Heather's. Oh, okay. Um, it's but I believe it was written music. for the the remake of uh, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Is that correct? Is that I've only seen the original Man Who Knew Too Much. I've yeah, never seen the, the remake. Neither have I. Weird. I wrote that, a paper on, uh, on uh, Jimmy Stewart and Alfred Hitchcock you know, and uh, still haven't seen it. Our favorite... Uh, website the av club just did a list of remakes that are better than the original and they included uh the man who knew too much on there they had a couple on there i haven't, I wrote this I haven't seen it but uh the aforementioned peter laurie is not in the remake so exactly. how could it be better yeah i can't they, imagine it. they also put I and mean, this is a popular opinion that i disagree with 
um, they put the 1950s A Star is Born with uh, Judy Garland and James Mason over the far superior 1930s Janet Gaynor, uh, uh, Frederick March uh, version. I haven't so seen any version of um, A Star is Born. You got to catch up on all three before the uh, um, Bradley Cooper Lady Gaga one comes out. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then they also, and you'll agree, and this this one's insane to me. They said The Departed is better than Infernal Affairs, which I've been saying. I haven't seen Infernal Affairs. I've, I've been saying for 10 years. Yeah. That Infernal Affairs is the better movie because it's The Departed with all the fat trimmed off it. <laughs> did they say Ocean's Eleven? Uh, yes, they did okay, say Ocean's good. Eleven. They should have. Uh, all right. Um, the Fly? Did they say The Fly? Um, I think they did actually okay. say The Fly. Um, um, and also another, uh, oh, uh, this is like like Danny Boy, this is an old-timey song that you hear. It's not quite as old, but this is an early 20th century song that you hear a lot, but... Uh, I cannot think of putting on the Ritz without thinking of young Frankenstein. That's on mine. Okay. Absolutely. I do. It, it, it is appropriate that so many of the, that there will be some overlap here because these are, you know, movie people. And admittedly, we all have different experiences as far as the movies we grew up with and that sort of thing. So there's not going to be like perfect overlap, but yeah, it's, I'm sure at some point, uh, you will say, or, Someone would say, everybody's talking at me by Harry Nielsen oh, from that, that Cowboy. Oh, because we, we, this is one of the, this conversation is what got me thinking about doing the show because uh, we were talking about Harry Nielsen mm-hmm. uh, and doing, doing this episode um, because I talked about the um, suicide scene in The Rules of Attraction, uh, right. which is set to Harry Nielsen's version of uh, Without You. I can't live if living is without you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of on the nose for a suicide scene. Um, but it's well used, um, because it's, uh, the, the sound of the song becomes like muffled and distorted as it goes on, yeah. sort of as this woman's lifeblood is draining from yeah. her, it's sort of, uh, it's, it's well used. That's well, an interesting also, movie, not ne- one I'd necessarily recommend to everyone. Well, and also the manic nature of that movie doesn't, mm-hmm. re- you wouldn't think that that, a song like that, right, yeah. uh, would be incorporated, but, um, you know, stuff like you know, hello darkness, my old friend and stuff like that. Like those are some, some obvious ones that most people would say. Oh, well there's another, um, all right. There's another, uh, well, there's a couple on this one, but there's another opening titles song that I, um, am guessing is on your list. Can you guess what it is? Accentuate the positive LA confidential. Uh, no, no, that's uh, on mine. Think about like, it's sort of like uh, the graduate, uh, a long profile shot. Uh, oh, across 110th Street. Across 110th yeah. Street, which is one of the Jackie Brown's one of the movies on here twice because of Across 110th Street and Didn't I Blow Your Mind This Time by the yes. Delphonics. That's um, right. And I'll mention the other one. So I mentioned Wayne's Rolling here twice. The other one is on here twice. I already mentioned Lust for Life, or I mentioned Perfect Day from Train Spotting. I just let mm-hmm. the cat, cat out of the bag. The other one is Lust for Life, which is the opening. Yeah. Of train spotting, which I think is one of the greatest movie openings uh, of all That's time. It's a good one. Um, yeah, uh, there is. Uh, I actually have quite a few that that are, show up here uh, uh, twice. I mentioned two from Doctor Strangelove. We mentioned Ride of the Valkyries from Apocalypse Now, but this is the end. Yeah, uh, is, is a big one as well. Um, let's see. I have two from LA Confidential: Accentuate the Positive by Johnny Mercer and Powder Your Face with Sunshine uh, by Dean Martin. Which uh, is not—it's not necessarily prominently featured in the in the film, but where it is placed, 
uh, there's no dialogue happening. It's just, it's Jackman sends sitting quietly in a bar by himself, trying contemplating some of the choices he's made and that song playing in the background. And it's, uh, and I've always been a fan of Dean Martin. And so hmm. it, it stuck out to me, but now I will always think of that shot. Uh, oh. when I think of that song, now you're reminding me of one I had forgotten about speaking of, um, Oh no, that's not mine. That's, that's Bobby Darren, isn't it? Beyond the sea is Bobby Darren. Uh, yes. Um, so let's say Bobby Darren. Um, in A Life Less Ordinary, there's the like fantasy sequence oh, yeah. where they uh, – uh, it's essentially a full-on musical number in the middle of the movie uh, to set the Beyond the Sea. Uh, but I wonder uh, – well, I have on. a Bobby Darren on here, actually. Oh, yeah? Uh, he, does a, he does a version of uh, Mac the Knife uh-huh. uh, at the beginning of a Quiz Show. Oh, I haven't seen that in forever. Um, uh, to revisit not only stuff that was on, on here twice, but stuff that is maybe – like I mentioned – I think Bohemian Rhapsody is the one people would think of for Wayne's World, but for me, it's Foxy Lady. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to Royal Tenenbaums, if anyone's going to pick one, it's probably Needle in the Hay. That's a big, uh, that's a big moment. Hmm. Uh, but the thing that I will always think of uh, is These Days by Nico, yeah. which is as as Gwyneth Paltrow gets off the bus. And I that, didn't write that down, but I was going to. And yeah. the idea of and and because I was like, I got to have some Wes Anderson on here. It's like, well, obviously that Nico song. I did Needle in the Hay didn't even occur to me. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I feel like that's such a big moment, and because it's a it's a it's longer that sequence if you th- like that it's funny that the these days thing sticks out to both of us so much because if you actually watch the movie it's only a, it's a tiny clip of it's yeah. it's a very brief moment of her getting off the bus whereas the suicide scene is a big uh is more or attempted suicide is more drawn out and so the mo- the song is given more of a of a platform of a spotlight but i think because there's so much going on you you can't help but think about what's going on Whereas the sound drops out, it goes to slow motion. It's very much an introduction, and so the what's what you're hearing, which is only the song, is every bit as important as what you're seeing in that moment. Yeah, um, it's being it, it's it's music that is now associated with an with an entire character and an entire relationship. So it's like Little Green Bag from. Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, that's on here. Obviously, that's the one song people think of, right? When they think obviously, of Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, there. there's there's uh, Harvest Moon um, <laughs> and uh, Put the Lime in the Coconut uh-huh. um, and others, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Uh, but I no, the, the real obvious one, of course, is um, Stuck in the Middle with You by... Steeler's Wheel. Steeler's Wheel. Yeah. Uh, is- Sorry, I have, to, I have to think of that in uh, Stephen Wright's voice. Steeler's Wheel. Um... So, uh, other ones that, uh, that pop up twice. So, uh, I was, I was kind of a fan of, uh, 1970s, uh, funk before I saw out of sight. And so I was, I was vaguely aware of the Isley brothers, uh-huh. but the Isley brothers, uh, have a couple of wonderful songs that are very prominently featured. One is, uh, fight the power. Uh, and then the other is it's your thing. Yeah, and yeah. both of them are wonderful songs used beautifully in that uh, in that film that really set the tone for um, for the for that type of of movie. And when I think about it, I didn't write it down, but Green Onions is a mo- is a song that I now associate with Get Shorty. Honestly, when you said Get Shorty, Green Onions is where I thought you were going to go, but yeah. I guess you had already said Izzy were the show. I probably should have put two together that yeah. it wasn't going to be Green, on- Green Onions. Um, but yeah, that's the song I think of when I think of Get Shorty. Now, Out of Sight is what I'm refer- referring to when I say Isley Brothers. Oh, okay. Did I say, did I say Get Shorty? I might have. Uh, you might have said Get oh, Shorty. Oh, damn it. Sorry. Um, or maybe sight. I just thought Get Shorty. Okay. But I, th- I thought... 
Well, well th- this thing is the listeners will tell us if you're going to adapt, if you're going to adapt an Elmore Leonard book, there is a very specific type of music you should be using. You know, we just mentioned Jackie Brown, mm-hmm. uh, like the be- the three best Elmore Leonard adaptations are ones where the, the filmmakers realize how important music is, uh, to set the tone and that music that the characters themselves might listen to will be a big part of it. Yeah. Um, now was, uh, uh, I remember that Emma Leonard had a top, like he said there were three movies that he felt got it, it him most right. And I don't think get shorty was one of them. I think it was get shorty. Br- get shorty is the one he said, it was the first one that he thought oh, he ever got. Maybe it, it was right. out of sight that didn't make the listing because I think he said Jackie Brown, one of them, and then Three Ten to Yuma was one that he. Oh yeah, was, maybe um, was a very good adaptation. There, um, there are other adaptations that are pretty good. Mister Majestic is okay. Stick is okay. But the thing is, the Justified pilot is uh, which I never saw. Maximum Bob. I remember seeing the that that was a short lived show, but uh, the yeah, first episode of that was pretty good um but yeah you got to use uh some good music if you're making an Elmore Leonard movie so let's see uh that's the thing I'm, I'm jumping all over the place like I have so many here um I have two songs from the limey um okay I have the seeker by the who and I have king Midas in reverse by uh, the hollies um one of them is used to introduce Terrence Stamp the other is used to introduce Peter Fonda that's interesting. I know both those songs, but it's been so long since I've seen the Limey that I don't think I. Boy, uh, I haven't seen the Limey in the years, but boy, do I remember those. Um, All right. Um, you mentioned Kesarasara being from another movie. So here's a song, a great song from that's very, uh, very much associated with one movie, and that's "How Deep Is Your Love" by the Bee Gees. Okay. Yeah. Saturday Night Fever. But uh, I now can't not think of Christian Bale singing the song to Melissa Leo in the fighter. Sure. Uh, it's, it's such yeah. a sweet, I don't, I have big problems with the fighter. I didn't love that movie, but it's such a sweet scene. Yeah. Um, and it tells you so much about like, uh, why this guy who's a total fuck up is still able to get people on his side Oh yeah, because he's a charmer and a, and a sweetheart and he sings that, uh, to his mom and it's a really nice little scene. And they seem like such a mother and son in that moment. And just like, and obviously a mother that let her son get away with way too much uh-huh. because he's a charmer. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Here's the deal because we've been jumping around and, and you might say stuff that reminds me of something else. That's fine. Uh, I'm just going to go to the top of my list and just start working my way down. Well, let I've me said most say of these already before you do that, because this okay. is sort of related, but, uh, a, a song that is only in the movie, like how deep is your love? It's a character singing it. Mm-hmm. Um, in Rachel getting married Tunday day at sings, uh, unknown legend by Neil Young okay. to, um, uh, Rosemary DeWitt, right? right? Who plays, who plays Rachel as part of the, wedding vows yeah um and that's one sort of like uh like talking heads in wall street like sure neil young is another one that is probably in my t- all-time top five hmm. uh so i was already a huge fan of of that song um but it's a, a a beautiful little moment uh that i now think of when i hear that song see and i don't think i would have recognized i don't know much neil young unfortunately no but it is um unknown legend is the song that he um wrote for his uh, his wife, which sadly they um, somewhat recently split up, oh, that's um, but they were together for like 30 years or whatever. Um, they had a good run. Yeah. Um, so here's a, a song from the uh, uh, film I mentioned earlier, Zodiac. 
And it is uh, Hurdy Gurdy Man by Donovan. Yep, on my list. All right, excited. I remember, because that's another one that I knew the song already, and I remember I worked at the Arclight. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, you've been to the Arclight. Uh, the Arclight in Hollywood is, there's, what, um, I guess there's, there's 15 screens total. There's 14 in the multiplex, mm-hmm. and then there's the dome. Yeah. Which is the old Cinerama dome. Um that is uh, a part of the okay now even you have to get you have to leave the you have to go outside to get right. to it it's not connected um and the dome because it's a big room that's just one uh which just has one screen there aren't doors there are just curtains so when you're working hmm. concessions you can hear the movie the whole time oh, okay so i was working opening night and i remember hearing hurdy gurdy like having hurdy gurdy man song the yeah. having that stuck in my head from zodiac before I had ever seen the movie. So that's my, my association between that song and that movie predates my even having seen the movie. I, I was aware of that. I knew that song beforehand. I actually knew a lot of uh, Donovan before he'd been used in various things, but Zodiac, it, it is now so for me, it is so associated with Zodiac that the song itself has become creepy in my mind. Like if I, okay. if I listen to it while I'm driving at night, it's, I'm not going to get scared, but I'll be like, Ugh. it's like it, like that it's, it's very rare for a movie, for a song to be that connected to a movie that the tone of the overall movie starts to, uh, infect yeah. the song itself. That's true. Um, well, that reminds me, I'm going to get, I'm going to give you two right here. Okay. That are, um, songs that accompany killings in movies okay in that uh, i think um, now. all right um one of them and this is a uh one of the ones i always said i would put on this list if we ever did, the, did this episode and i think it actually came up when we were on uh rock solid um, okay. or when rock socking or which half of the episode it was when we did the the rock solid crossover um from gross point blank the song mirror in the bathroom which is the soundtrack to the hallway fight where he ends yeah. up stabbing the guy in the neck with the pen yep um so i always think of that and then, of course, Hip to be Square by Huey Lewis yeah. uh, from American Psycho. I will never forget <laughs> Christian Bale's little, like, his little, like, it's, it's like he's jogging in place, but he's yeah. like, oh, man. Yeah. That's a movie that film people know about. Yeah, everyone knows it. Do they? Does yeah. everyone know that movie? I think so. Because when I hear people talking about Christian Bale, I don't hear people talk about that movie very often yeah i wonder like that's an iconic performance i think it is yeah i wonder if it's it's um hard for people to reconcile with what the idea we have of christian bale now which is like serious actor method guy you know what i mean yeah um like people maybe don't think about the fact that he can be very funny. Like American Psycho is a very funny movie and American hustle is a very funny movie too, but I still think yeah. he's, um, has a lot of, because of the, the weight gain and the hair and stuff like that. Right. People just think of him as like serious actor guys. So maybe people don't talk about that performance alongside the great Christian Bale performances because it doesn't fit the idea of a Christian Bale. It's like his Spicoli. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. That's perfect. Uh, it could also be that, you know, it's a film that definitely, I mean, people were aware of, of him in, in a variety of ways, but he became famous in the mid to mid 20 aughts uh-huh. with like Batman and anything before that 
could just be seen as like, oh yeah, that's before he was Batman. And everything right. after that, that, well, now he's getting nominated for stuff. He's winning Oscars and all that sort of thing. Uh, like, it's like his career started in earnest uh, in 2005 to the point that, like, you know, people talk all day about the machinist. Uh-huh. And admittedly, he lost a lot of weight and there's that kind of thing. But it's just like, oh, my gosh, can you believe what kind of actor this is? Like, yes, I can. Because look at him before. Uh, he was doing amazing work in a movie like American uh, Psycho. And... You know, it, it's it feels almost like Russell Crowe to me that, you know, L.A. Confidential sort of put him on the map for some people, and then The Insider got him an Oscar nomination, then Gladiator comes along, and now he's huge. Uh, but a movie like Romper Stomper, oh, right. which in certain circles is very well known, and he's great in it, uh, that's just, it's not even part of the larger conversation about him as an actor. Um, okay, sorry, we can, we can well, move on now. Well, while we're on the topic of American Psycho, I hadn't even thought about this, but um, that's a great soundtrack. It's got great yeah, it's great. 80s music all through it. Uh, one of my favorites being Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves, yeah. which is like this, it's sort of introduced in the movie like as a sort of standard, like it's like uh, establishing like helicopter shots of New York City and mm-hmm. it's Walking on Sunshine. But then it cuts to him inside like the limousine listening to it on his yeah. like very dated Sony like Walkman yeah. and just having that that like Patrick Bateman look on his face just like yeah. intently listening to Walking on Sunshine by the Katrina and the Waves. It's a very funny bit. The song was also used to a very different reaction uh, in High Fidelity. That's right. When uh, Jack Black plays it, and that's and the nature of Jack Black's character is he's such a music snob, but he throws that on uh-huh. as, as a way of like cheering everyone up, yeah. and he does that thing where he's like giving like a horizontal clap, yeah, right <laughs> right yeah. next to his face, and as he claps, he looks at you like, can you believe what I'm doing? And there, it's yeah, it's a wonderful moment. It is, and I don't uh, love that movie, but that uh, yeah, that's well, a great performance uh, by Jack Black. It and, really is. Uh, you know, corniness aside, it actually is a really good song, Walking on Sunshine. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it achieves what it sets out to achieve. It sure. Makes you feel like you're walking on sunshine. <laughs> Don't it feel good? Um, okay, so I have a... I only wrote one down here for uh, from Magnolia, but I should put another, which is... Uh, one is uh, Amy Mann's cover of One is the Loneliest Number. Okay. But then also Wise Up. I mean, you have every character singing it. Yeah. And it is fairly iconic. Like, if yeah. I were to hear that song... I was fam- I made I was made familiar with that song as a function of the movie, but if I hear it later, it seems weird that she's the only one singing it, uh, <laughs> you know. But um, and then of course, um, you know, "Save Me" was a song she wrote for the movie, yeah. so that's different. But uh, but her, you know, I've heard uh, I've heard the original "One Is the Loneliest Number," but to me, Amy Mann's is sort of the definitive because she has such a melancholy voice and it just fits so well with, with the nature of the song. And it, it's such a nice introduction to that movie. Um, I generally tried to avoid songs that were written for the movie, mm-hmm. but I put one on here for a couple reasons. One, because I think it's uh, a completely forgettable movie that has a great song on its soundtrack. And also because I know you don't like this song, okay, which is uh, try again by Aaliyah from Romeo must die. Oh boy! <laughs> Hang on, what song is that? Oh, <laughs> yeah, you don't like that song, oh, you motherfucker! I hate uh, you so much. It's very like repetitive, and its uh, message is very trite. <laughs> but it's got a fantastic beat and a great. A, Aaliyah has that awesome voice, 
Um, I really, really love that song. And it's funny to me that it's connected to Romeo Must Die, the uh, movie that no one remembers. I like that movie more than that song. What do you think of that? <laughs> it's a very, that's a very stupid movie. I think. It is. Yes. Like the whole thing of like, it goes into x-ray mode and you see people's like bones breaking. Yeah. Um, I guess I can see how like, someone maybe could have done that in a cool way but it's really corny in the movie seems um, like something more out of, out of a video game than a movie but maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe that was the yeah. idea uh mostly notable I mean, it has an uh somewhat early anthony anderson role he's that's right yeah he's a he's a bad guy he's like heavy slash comic relief yeah. at the same time that's yeah. about right yeah. um Ah, oh, damn you for making me remember that song. <laughs> um, okay, so here is uh, a song that has been used in a few movies, but uh, but I will always associate it with this movie, and it is the song An Ending by Brian Eno, and it is used at the end of Traffic. And uh, that song, which is not it, no lyrics or anything, it's mm-hmm. just instrumental, um, that song really does give uh, the ending of Traffic a lot of weight. Uh, to the point that I almost always well up when I watch the end of traffic, partially due to that, the, the use of that music. Um, yeah, Brian Eno's music does that song just generally does show up in a lot of, yeah, it was in 28 days later. Um, uh, but just that, um, Brian Eno in general, it seemed it's, it's very filmic. It could be used almost yeah. like a score because uh, it's basically we'll, it, that song is kind of tones more than anything else. Yeah, and we'll keep coming back to um, Train Spotting because it's full of great music. Uh, but Deep Blue Day is the name of the Brian Eno song mm-hmm. that's that's on there. Um, yeah, Train Spotting. Obviously, when we did our Rock Solid, uh, I talked about we each picked yeah. was it 10 soundtracks? ten soundtracks. Uh, we did yeah. five per episode. Yeah, right. Train Spotting was definitely one of my. Um, one of my 10 best soundtracks of all time soundtrack albums. Um, man, I, we, we tore through so much stuff that I've actually, uh, I still, have, I still have a ton. And that's the thing. Some of these, it could be the entire soundtrack like train spotting. Yeah. You know, I mean, almost any Tarantino movie, the entire soundtrack is now something that I associate with the movie. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, if I yeah I, I have on here from Pulp Fiction I have you never can tell or say la vie yeah. I don't know what what the song is actually uh, called um, but uh, yeah pretty much anything yeah um, I, I wrote you know miserly or I don't know how you how you pronounce that but yeah uh, miserly I don't know if that's uh, but there's also the um, um, smoking cigarettes and watching Captain Kangaroo yeah, yeah. I forget the name of that song yeah uh, it's fantastic uh, yeah and um, Speaking of Quentin, this isn't even a Tarantino movie. It's a Tarantino-penned movie directed by uh, Tony Scott, but um, the Chubby Checker, Hello, Hello, Baby. Do you remember that song? Is that, wait, it's is that in, it's Chubby Checker? Romance. Is that, I don't know if it is. That's the Big Bopper, isn't it? That's the Big Bopper, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you remember that. Uh, but it's a great moment because when he calls Michael Rappaport, Christian Vale or Christian, Christian Slater, that's, what he he says it like the song, yeah. But then he also lays the song on at the same time, and then as the conversation proceeds, the song is just like playing <laughs> under the movie. It's, uh, it's an awesome little moment, uh, and that was not on my list. So okay, here's uh, here's uh, a movie that the entire soundtrack is great, but there, and this might be of all the of all the the songs on this list. This might be a song. This might be one that I was familiar with the song ever since I was a kid. So it took a lot 
for uh-huh. the song to now, in my mind, be associated with this movie. The song is Mama Told Me Not to Come. Uh-huh. The movie is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, okay. Uh, I will forever associate that this song, and, and admittedly, the, the song is this, but immense regret uh-huh. and i gotta go yeah uh, i need to get out of here and and one. silliness that's a good one. um yeah that but at the same time like that i i believe in the rock solid uh crossover i believe i played a song from uh the opening song by um oh, whatever it's called with uh janice joplin um, oh right but no i forget the name of the song and i forget the name of the band but Jan- janice joplin it's the opening song of fear and loathing in las vegas is there you know, driving through the desert. Um, but yeah, that whole soundtrack is great. Um, but yeah. And so I, I mean, my parents listened to three dog night when I, you know, ever since I was a kid and, uh, and I always loved that song. And now I can only think about it in terms of, you know, uh, Raul Duke trying to sneak out of a hotel. Um, I thought when you said, uh, no, I told me not to, not to come, you were going to say joy from last year. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> which does have and, and I, for, scene. I forgot it was there at all. Um, what else you got? I have a couple of things from uh, Full Metal Jacket. Oh, that's I've got Surfing Bird. Uh, that's a good uh, one by yeah. the Trashman. That's a good one. And I think that movie might be the first time I heard Painted Black by the Rolling Stones, which okay. I also now associate with Stir uh, Stir of Echoes. So, okay, not the Devil's Advocate. No, oh, <laughs> it's I don't associate much with the Devil's Advocate. <laughs> yeah. Except the face I'm making right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not a good movie, but uh, it is a memorable use of that song, I guess. It's the it's essentially it's the end credit song, right? It's been a long time yeah, since I've seen it. Yeah, it's cre- yeah okay. Um, okay. Uh, what else do I have? Oh, this is a big one for me. And I can't believe we've... Have we gone all this time without mentioning a single Cameron Crowe movie? Um, if it were up to me, we'd go longer. Uh, I don't think I have anything. I think a lot of people would definitely go with like tiny Tiny dancers. But the one for me, because it's not just that it's a great song. It captures such a relatable moment is, uh, free fallen in Jerry Maguire. Sure. Do you remember that? that yeah. That's when he's yes, in a he's great sing- mood yeah. and he's trying to sing along with the radio and it but keeps it being on songs that he doesn't know the words. So he just is scanning through stations until he finds a song that he knows the words to yeah. uh, and ends up on Free Fallen. It's such an awesome moment. And it's something Cameron Crowe is so good at, like really pinpointing the ways that we relate to popular music yeah. um, and the ways that it uh, soundtracks our own lives. Uh, I, I love that. I love that moment. I really, really love Jerry Maguire. It's probably my favorite Cameron Crowe movie. I'd say it's mine as well. Yeah. I mean, I know people love almost famous. Uh, it, that's when I need to revisit. There's a lot of, I, I've never I, responded to almost famous. I, I mean, I like it more than you do, but at the same time, like I liked it a lot at the time and that's pretty much where it ended. There were things I love about it, but yeah. as a whole, I thought it was never equal to some of its parts. Um, but I think it was just, honestly, I think it's a movie that came about at a very specific time in people's lives and uh, people our age and they're like, you know, so they're 17, 18 when it came out and they're like, this movie's amazing, you know? Uh, and there are things I love about it. I do love everything about like Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. And I think he's given some really fun things to say, but even then he's given some really on the nose things to say, which is perfect for somebody that age. Yeah, Um, yeah, exactly. You know, um, but then I, th- uh, I think, uh, and I can't think of any songs on the top of my head, but I think you and I both like Vanilla Sky more than most people. Yeah. 
Um, what's the the opening like dream when he's in the empty Times Square? Is that a Radiohead song? Boy, I don't know. I think it, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I think it might be Radiohead. And then there is an original song in that by uh, Paul McCartney. Um, okay. The song is called Vanilla Sky. How about that? So uh, a couple of songs from The Big Lebowski just dropped in by Kenny Rogers in the first edition. Uh, and, that is on, on mine as well. Yes. And then uh, Man and Me by Bob Dylan. I was, oh, I was, yeah. I was, I was generally aware of Bob Dylan. I knew like his big ones, but, uh, but I remember it's a great opening sequence and it's a fun, uh, and it's a good song all around. Did, uh, I didn't have it on my list, but did you consider putting on your list, speaking of Bob Dylan, the times they are a change in from Watchmen? No, although that's the best sequence from Watchmen. It is the best. Part uh, of yeah. and, and just a good sequence in general. Um, but again, for me being a, a stickler for the concept of this episode um that's a song that if i hear it i'm not going to think of that moment i think Washington. you're right i think you're right um, yeah that's true when i think of that moment i will think of the song because like the the two are just connected mm-hmm. completely um okay well if you want to go with songs that i cannot th- like to the point where i now laugh when i hear the song and it's not funny okay. but the song notorious by duran duran okay. which is in donnie darko it's the sparkle motion yes performance. that's right <laughs> uh and just every time i hear it that just be, no no notorious i just yeah. like get a grin on my face because i'm thinking of sparkle motion and that woman be like i question your commitment to sparkle motion <laughs> yeah. that woman's beth grant it's Beth. that's right i forgot her name i'm sorry um yeah so that's that's one that i definitely uh uh, think of, I only have a couple more. What do you, how many more do you have? Several. <laughs> oh boy. Many. Wow. How many, how did you, I thought, I thought I, uh, went all out, but, um, yeah. Once you said both, it really opened some doors for me. Uh, okay. So, and I can, I can tear through some of these and I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll stop you if I have something to say. Okay. I'll stop on, on ones that I, that I feel like I really want to talk about. Uh, the song diamond by Clint from the movie snatch. It's the opening bit of music. Oh, okay. uh, not the opening, but like during the, 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 the current, the character intros. Um, I really okay. like that. You know what song I love, um, from snatch is the, um, dog rabbit chase song. Um, damn right. That's a good one. But it was then used in a, in a, a bra commercial. Yeah. Yes. I, remember I was like, that well, too. so much for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, can't listen to that anymore. Cause it, cause there's like you, a, like, you don't want to think about bras. <laughs> Well, I mean, I do, but not like that, you know? Um, so, uh, and then from snatch has a great soundtrack all around as does lock stock and two smoking barrels. But, um, there's a wonderful sequence, uh, in that film where the stooges, I want to be your dog, uh, plays into it where a character is, loses a great deal of money and now owes uh, the big gangster in town a lot of money and basically his father's bar, uh, essentially. And he's just, and the way, and he's walking out and it's shot in such a way that it's just like, and the nature of that song is just very, like, very pounding. And the way that uh, Guy Ritchie uses it is very effective. Speaking of British gangsters and proto punk music, how did I not have. Peaches by the Stranglers on my list. It's on yours. Yes. Yeah. Which is from sexy beast. Uh, yeah. I can't believe I didn't have it on my list. That's, that's, yeah. that, that should be a top 10. And just, and that's the thing is, cause I remember his monologue uh-huh. as he's, you know, as he's laying there. And so like, sometimes I'll think of that monologue and then the music will start. Like yeah. that's how, that's how 
much those things are, are connected in my mind. Yeah. Um, that's a great, great song. The Stranglers yeah. are a great band. Oh yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. Uh, okay. Um, so here's one that surprised me. Uh, wait, um, sorry. Sex of Peace also uses, I think an instrumental, instrumental version of sway. Uh, you know that song? Uh, it, I think it actually, well, it uses a couple versions, I believe. Oh, okay. It does use one that is, uh, that is, uh, Dean Martin. Okay. Um, and now that you mention it, that reminds me of another version of Sway that was used, uh, in Dark City, which then re- reminded me of a song that might've been merely on the soundtrack. Okay. But might've been in the movie as well. I don't remember. And it's by, uh, Oh my gosh. Echo and the Bunnymen. Okay. And it's, uh, Oh gosh. Now it's one of those songs that like I could, I could say every lyric, but I don't know which of those lyrics is the title. One of those, um, there are so many movies like that from the nineties that have like the soundtrack album was so important that like the crow is one and reality bites actually having just, uh, watched that for the first time. I'm realizing like, you know, um, the so the big singles from Reality Bites there was Stay by Lisa Loeb which was the end title mm-hmm. song but there was also the Juliana Hatfield three Spin the Bottle mm-hmm. um, which is just a t- it's barely in the movie at all and it really feels like with stuff like um, like The Crow and probably Dark City there's because The Crow once you listen to the soundtrack mm-hmm. you, go back, you go back and watch the movie you're like oh that's what that song is but it's like not ne- it's not necessarily yeah. memorably used. It's just like they needed to cram in a song here so they could justify putting out the soundtrack album. Well, and in the 90s, I think you also had a lot of uh, music from and inspired by the motion picture. Yeah, that started, I think, in the later 90s. Um, We don't get as much anymore, and I didn't really put any of these on here, is the um, rap song that tells you what the plot of the movie is. That was so big in the 90s with, like, obviously you had... Um, Will Smith was the king of it with with Men in Black. Um, Men in Black 2, what was it? Uh, What was it called? The the Men in Black 2 one. Oh, I don't know. It was like, here come the Men in Black, nod your head or something like that. Um, (laughs) Oh boy, I don't remember. And there was also Wild 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 West. West. Uh, And then LL Cool J had Deepest Bluest from Deep Blue Sea. (laughs) That's right. Um, And then the one of those that I can think of that's actually a good song is um, Ghetto Superstar from Bullworth. Um, Yeah. That's a a good song. But it it literally is you don't even have to care about the music but it is if you no. think if you listen to the songs it's about being a like my eyes are sore being a senator <laughs> <laughs> which sounds like a he-man villain by the way senator <laughs> um the uh although now that you mention it i will say that uh insane in the membrane by cypress hill is a song that i associate with uh bullworth even though it might be more a function of the trailer than the actual movie yeah yeah, it might be, because um, I'm trying to think if that's even on the soundtrack album, because yeah, I used I to listen know. to that album a lot. It has a, a lot of really good stuff on it, but I don't remember uh, if that song is, is on there. Um, so I will bring, uh, I this this one surprised me, but it, it, just because it's not a song I think about very often, maybe I should. It's an old, uh, an old gospel song called uh, I'll Fly Away, and it is uh, uh, featured prominently at the end of The Apostle. Huh. And it's very, it's a song I've always liked, uh, when it's been sung in church, in churches and stuff. Um, but it's used very, very effectively, uh, at the end of the film because his church is singing it while he is being taken away, uh, by the cops. And, but he feels no 
sadness about that, you know? And so there's, there's a liberating quality to that song as right. he is about to be, you yeah. know, put in uh, handcuffs. And he's asking them about when they switched from the Chevy Caprice classics to the Ford Crown <laughs> that's Victorias. Right. Man, that's a good movie. <laughs> um, um Real quick, I, I should have said this a second ago when we were talking about hip-hop songs. Uh, one of my favorite, as a white comedy nerd guy, one of my favorite movies that uses hip-hop songs is Office Space, which uses a ton of them. Oh, damn right. Um, but uh, the one uh, the one that if I had to pick one that sticks out to me, it's Damn It Feels Good to Be a Gangster That's by a Ghetto one. Boys. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is, a, that is a good use of that song. Uh, this is one that, uh, the fact that it didn't occur to me immediately is bothersome, which is The Entertainer. By Scott Joplin for the sting. Yeah, that's maybe that was like too too obvious. It was like yeah, it was so uh, it, you couldn't see the forest for, for the trees. Maybe I love that. Like, I love that saying. Thank you so much. Uh, um, I'm not even sure if that actually applies here. That's the it's the thing that came into my mind. So there you go. Um, I'm realizing a lot of these that I've talked about, um, like with uh, Lust for Life and, and and some others, are the opening titles. Yeah, a lot of um, these, a lot of those are mine as well. And so I want to talk about two, one kind of obvious, one a little bit uh, less seen, um, but uh, Sweet Emotion from Dazed and Confused. Yeah. Um, I think of Sweet Emotion as like the only Aerosmith song that I like, and it might just be because I love the opening of Dazed and Confused with like the kids pulling in the parking lot in slow motion. There's like, is it uh, Joey Lynn Adams like rolling a joint in slow motion? Or is it Renee Zellweger? I don't remember. Um yeah, it's uh, a fantastic opening opening sequence uh, set to set to that, and then the one that's definitely um, less well known. But did you see the guard with uh, Brendan Gleeson? I did. Uh, the opening of that, you remember? Before you even meet Brendan Gleeson, you meet the four kids who die almost immediately in right. the car accident because they're drinking and uh, on every drug imaginable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this small Irish town where everyone's as pale white as everyone in a small Irish town can be. But it's, I, I think the song is rock star by NERD, which was Pharrell Williams like group oh, okay. before he uh, was just, just Pharrell. And it's, super loud and if you know the song it starts out with like this big like loud to the point of intentionally being distorted like uh drum like uh roll in uh, you know the uh the the drums are very loud i guess is what i'm saying and mm-hmm. the, the the title of the movie the guard is like as big as the entire yeah. screen uh and it's so assaultive and i remember seeing it at a press screening on the sony like it's a sony pictures classic you know it tends to uh release it tends to uh, draw, you know, not necessarily the hip hop crowd. Right. I remember thinking this was, uh, this is going to blow some people's wigs off. <laughs> the, the opening of this movie. Or powdered wigs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's two uh, movie openings. There is a, there's a Brendan Gleeson film called uh, In Bruges that has a song that is a lot more appropriate for a Brendan Gleeson film. It's called On Raglan Road and it is uh, done by a band that is uh, super Irish and it's a, ri- it's, it's a sequence actually. Have you seen, you still haven't seen In Bruges, right? I never have, no. Okay. It's a really great sequence uh, and the song is used very well and it's given actually tremendous poignance. Um, okay, so... White Rabbit by Jeff's Jefferson Airplane. I right. will always associate with the game. Um, oh, okay. It is also featured in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yes, um, but I associate with the game because it's it's very prominently used. Um, I think both in the advertising and in the film. Um, here's one that is starting to change, but my initial association is really holding on. 
the song uh, Shambhala uh-huh. by Three Dog Night, once uh-huh. again. Um, now, Lost. That's has, what I think of. Okay. First for me, though, uh-huh. is Drowning Mona. Oh, it's been a long time since I've seen that. That's a that, was a, movie. that was a movie you and I both loved. Yeah. Uh, rightfully so. And it is the song that is playing as Mona is about to die. Um, so I like that. And then uh, as far as uh, TV, and let's stick with Lost, uh, Make Your Own Kind of Music is one that, uh, it's a song I love and one that it, I will always fam- associate yeah. with that. And it has become one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah. Um, and I know it uh through lost yeah. uh and it is really an amazing amazing song it really is uh all right i've got i only have like two more here okay i have several more but i can kind of rattle them off um well this one's dumb because this is a song that i love and have loved for years um because i'm talking about like top five artists maybe if you expand to top 10 all-time musical mm-hmm. group slash artist for me black sabbath has got to be in there sure um but you know i'm a defender of the hangover movies yeah and the use of nib in hangover three all right which is uh you've seen did you see hangover three no okay so um uh what's ken jeong's character has rented the penthouse um at uh at caesar's palace and bradley cooper and zach galifianakis are trying to find him and he's the penthouse he's just turned it into he's got like prostitutes dancing he's got strobe lights and so they're like kicking in the doors trying to find him in this in this massive penthouse yeah. to this strobe lights and the song the song uh nib by black sabbath uh and uh yeah it's a really good use of the song i'm not sure that i always think of it because like i said it's a song that i have known for a long time big black sabbath fan um but uh it's a really good use of the song and then finally this will be my last one i can't find a way to fit it in i should have talked about it earlier when i was talking about um how deep is your love and the songs that are uh, memorable because characters sing them out loud, but um, TV Party by Black Flag and oh, sure. Repo Man. Yeah, uh, Repo Man is also a which we did talk about during. Soundtrack. Uh, you did mention during. Um, yes, Rock Solid. Yes, I did. Uh, yeah, I think I, I believe I did pick that song. Um, yeah, that's a fantastic soundtrack. But that's um, yeah, Emily Vestava is just like drunk and like not really singing more just like yelling the words to yeah. tv party and i think you're like kicking beer can a beer can yeah. or something yeah that's a good one yeah that's the last one i had on my list all right i'm gonna rattle some off and some of them uh i think you will kick yourself for not thinking of Probably. this first one is not going to be that okay and that is white christmas by bing crosby but not for the film white christmas for the film mother night uh I like that movie, but it's been a long time. Well, it's, and that's the thing. It's not a movie that people know about, but when you realize if you see it and I won't even say what it is, uh, what, how it's used, but, uh, the way the song is used is, uh, withering. Um, so, uh, he needs me sung by Shelley Duvall in punch drunk love. So you've got two there that were written for other movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tango till you're sore by Tom Waits was used very well in, uh, down by law. Okay. Let's see. Looking for the magic by the Dwight Twilly band used wonderfully in your next, you know, the song I'm talking about. Yeah. The song that keeps playing. Yeah. Yeah. And is used wonderfully at the end. Here's one, David, that I think is going to bother you. You know what? I'll save it till the end. Uh, so I'll say, um, the mighty Rio Grande is you by this will destroy you is used, uh, wonderfully in Moneyball. Okay. So I'll say this and it will lead naturally into the next one. 
Goodbye Horses by Q Lazarus is used marvelously in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. So I will now end with Anagata DeVita by Iron Butterfly, <laughs> used oh, yeah. wonderfully in Manhunter. Yeah. Uh, which is is one that you and I have talked about yeah. regularly. Yeah. To, and to some extent, that's probably what... Um, uh, what's his name was ripping off when he used Black Sabbath in Hangover because it's a similar situation yeah, yeah. of just being super loud and yeah. the lights flashing and yeah. And I'm sure like and this was all just going off of you know stuff in my own head. I didn't even look at my movie wall. I'm sure if I were to do so, I would uh, you know. And that's there are tons of like classical pieces. You know, there's like was it. Uh, you know, from a clockwork orange, you know, a lot of Beethoven there. There's a wonderful, uh, I can't remember the name of the, of the, of the piece from, uh, Beethoven used in, uh, the man who wasn't there that I absolutely love. Well, there's a, speaking of Beethoven, there's the ode to joy in Die Hard. That's right. When they finally get into the safe. Um, so, and that's and the looking thing is, at your wall here. I'm thinking, did you know, um, the song red right hand by Nick cave and the bad seeds is in all of the scream movies. I think I did know that. Yes. Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, long tall Sally and predator oh, is oh my God. great. How did I not? That's great. That's a, Oh, I just thought of it though. Cause I just looked at it on my, on my wall. Yeah. That's when I should have thought of. That's a good one. Damn uh, it. Cause that's, let's even set aside how great predator is for a moment. That song is amazing. It's a great song. Uh, to like, to, it's like, it's sort of like seeing a movie like The Apartment, right? Mm-hmm. When you're a younger, like just just getting into movies, you know, and you have an idea of what older black and white movies are, yeah. And then The Apartment is so not that, and so has such power, you yeah. know. And like Long Tall, Long Tall Sally is not some like quaint golden oldie, yeah. Like that is a fucking barn burner that song, yeah. and it's like a, it, it can be bracing to realize yeah. like oh right like this was two decades at least before punk rock existed and uh, yeah. this kind of this kind of stuff was out there well and we all have an idea of who little, little richard is you know that him saying like oh you know stuff yeah. like that and we picture him as kind of a joke but if you go back and listen to his stuff it's it's great it's incredibly raw yeah uh which you don't uh, think of uh, right away um and so, yeah, uh, we could pro- we could undoubtedly just keep going based on uh, you know my wall, but uh, let's yeah. let's hold off for a while and we, we okay. can maybe do this again. Maybe we will. This is fun. And um, listeners, I'm sure that you guys have plenty of things to contribute yeah, to this. So what, please do in the comments section. Tell us what we're idiots for forgetting in yeah. the uh, in the comments. Um, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. Uh, that's where all of our movie reviews and everything are. Um, Come say hi to us at the Tonga Hut on on Friday, the October seventh. Um, that'll be a fun time. Uh, you can email us at david at battleshipretention dot com or tyler at battleshipretention dot com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at Davy Pretension. You can follow Tyler at Tyler Pretension. Uh, Tyler, what's going on at your other two podcasts? Uh, worth playing for. We're talking about Survivor as we always do. Uh, more than one lesson. The- Spoiler warning. Right. Got to make sure. Don't listen to the worth playing for episode if you haven't watched the episode it's about why would you seems is like that should be question. <laughs> uh so um the <laughs> uh we're just assholes now um yeah so uh and more than one lesson i did something a little a little strange so i am uh starting school as i mentioned and 
So I recorded like all of October's episodes in advance so that I wouldn't have to worry about recording that show while I'm starting school. And then uh, this week, I actually threw to somebody else. I had Jim Rohner, who's one of our writers over there and who's been a guest on uh, Battleship Pretension, is the host of the I Do Movies Badly podcast. I had him record uh, his 10 favorite movies of all time. It's him by himself. I uh, do an intro and an outro. Um, But yeah, so... It's a, a very different format for us, and I appreciate Jim for, for helping out with that and uh, giving me yet another week off so that I could focus on school and how bad I'm going to be at it, and you know, because it's important for that to really sink in the first <laughs> week. Uh, so yeah, you can, you can hear that over at uh, morethanonelesson.com. All right. Uh, now, I know most people have stopped listening, so we're probably going to get emails or comments about how could we have forgotten this song. Okay. But uh, I came with it on my list, the song... Daisy Bell, better known as Bicycle Built for Two, in oh, 2001. Sure. Oh, damn it. Yeah, this <laughs> we could do, and I'd be fine with doing another episode like this, in which it's like, okay, now let's just take a gander over at Tyler's movie wall <laughs> yeah. and see what jumps out at us. Yeah. Um, All right. Um, my other podcast is called Hey, Watch This, uh, uh, but uh, in its current form, it no longer exists. You can find our final episode, uh, still available. Um, should be, it's on the battleship retention, uh, website. That's how, uh, that's how I would suggest, uh, finding it, uh, in which Paul and I talked about our favorite, or we talked about great series finales. Um, and I, we, we talked about angel and how I met your mother. Uh, and then we got all maudlin. Sure. So, uh, that, yeah, check that out. And, uh, thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.